Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible is the Issues Etc. book of the month for November. This new resource will help you navigate God's Word with clarity and confidence. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number 1-800-325-3040 or browse before you buy at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. book of the month. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible. You've heard some of these misconceptions that when someone dies, they go to heaven and become an angel, or that we can somehow communicate or get help from our deceased relatives, or that maybe going to heaven means going and doing what you like most here on earth for eternity. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Why do these misperceptions about eternal life persist? Joining us to answer that and other questions on eternal life Pastor Roger Peters, he's assistant to the Director of Library and Information Services at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and author of a column for the latest issue of the Lutheran Witness magazine titled Eternal Misconceptions. Roger, welcome. Thank you. Why do so many misconceptions persist about the Christian teaching on eternal life? Well, I believe that misperceptions about the Christian teaching on eternal life persist for two primary reasons. The first is because we are sinners. As sinners, we constantly fall to the temptation to want to believe whatever it is that we want to believe rather than turning to God's Word and allowing our beliefs to be conformed to what Scripture teaches. I think St. Paul saw this coming when he wrote to Timothy about the people having itching ears, and he says they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This is not to say that Christians knowingly or willfully look for false teaching, but I think that wander off into myths is a really good description of how these misconceptions persist. The second reason is related to the first, and I believe that it's because our beliefs about eternal life are often influenced more by pop culture and the media that we consume than by Scripture. Are the Scriptures in any way unclear about eternal life? The scriptures are clear. This is why in addressing each of these eternal misconceptions, we're able to turn to the scriptures to learn the truth about eternal life. God's word contains exactly what we need to know about eternal life, no more and no less. If anything, I think it's our understanding that is oftentimes unclear and our desire to go beyond what the scriptures teach. So we must always remember what the psalmist says, that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And we must continue to pray that the Lord will give us a right understanding and a desire to go no further than what the word of God has given us in Scripture. Is a heavenly existence after death the Christian's final destination? Well, the final destination for Christians is the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, as we confess in the creeds. Sometimes this gets lost in this idea of going to heaven when we die, and it becomes the final goal of the Christian life. It's this idea that when we die, we go to heaven and we live happily ever after, as if that's the end of the story. 
It certainly is true, of course, that Christians do go to heaven when they die, and there they find rest from their labors. St. Paul describes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, he says, to die is gain. And also in verse 23, he says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Christians should absolutely take comfort knowing this, that going to heaven when we die is far better than the tribulations of this life. But we have to keep in mind that that's not actually the end of the story. It continues even beyond that. When we read scripture, we find many references to the resurrection of the body. Paul in Philippians 1.6, just a little bit before that part that I just quoted, he writes, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. Here, St. Paul's talking about that last day. He's talking about, well, God will bring to completion the work of our salvation, which includes, of course, the redemption of our bodies. Jesus also points forward to the resurrection in John 6 when he says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Paul, of course, writes extensively about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, the so-called great resurrection chapter. So rather than spending eternity in this disembodied kind of state in heaven, we look forward to the resurrection where our bodies will be raised perfect and glorified, and we'll spend eternity with our Lord in the new heaven and the new earth. And it's important to keep in mind that the new heaven and the new earth are not two separate things, like earth and heaven are separate now. Rather, heaven is wherever God is. And the voice from the throne declares in Revelation 21.3, the dwelling place of God is with man. So here we see the new heaven and the new earth are joined together so that God can dwell with his resurrected, perfected, glorified people. So for Christians, going to heaven when we die is better, of course, than the tribulations of this life. But the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting is absolutely the best. And so this is our final destination as Christians. What do those who die in Christ experience after death, but before that resurrection? So those who die in Christ, so those saints who have fallen asleep that we just recognized in All Saints Day in the church calendar, they experience comfort peace, and joy. And so Dr. Ben Mays helpfully reminded us, especially of the joy of heaven, in his article in the November Lutheran Witness, uh, as well as his interview here with you last week. The joy begins, of course, here on earth with our salvation. Although we experience many trials and hardships, uh, knowing life is not perfect, nevertheless, we rejoice in the Lord. And so when I think about this, I think about those Opening words of the Magnificat in Luke 1, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Then after death, the trials and the hardships are over, and all that's left is the joy of God's presence. It brings up another misconception, one that I didn't write about in that article, but just one more misconception. It's less common in my experience, but it's this idea of soul sleep wherein the souls of those who have died in Christ are somehow asleep and that they have no experience until the resurrection comes along. 
Paul, of course, he does use this language of falling asleep or sleeping when he's talking about those who have died in Christ. But again, he writes in Philippians 1.23 of departing to be with Christ, which is far better. So this language of falling asleep to describe death is more than anything, it's a description of the body which will be raised and glorified on the last day. Bodily death, like sleep, is only temporary. So then the experience of those who fall asleep in Christ is still one of peace, comfort, and joy. They are aware of the Lord's presence, and this is, of course, the source of all their joy. Does Scripture in any way support the idea that we become angels after death? Scripture does not support the idea that we become angels after death. This idea is completely absent from the Bible. And this makes more sense when we look at angels and what angels actually are according to Scripture. I believe Hebrews 1.14 is especially helpful here. Here the author writes, Are they, are the angels, not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Now the way that sentence is constructed in the original Greek It's expecting an affirmative answer. So it's expecting the answer, yes, they are ministering spirits. And so this is what the angels are. They're spirits. They're spiritual creatures. So angels are a different kind of creature from human beings. Uh, As humans, we are physical creatures possessing both a body and the soul. But the angels are spiritual creatures. They have no bodies. They sometimes appear in bodily form, and this is how we often read about them in the scriptures, but they're not physical by nature. We should also remember, of course, that the Greek word from which we get the word angel means messenger. An angel is a messenger, so the word angel is a title. It's not really a type of creature. An angel, then, is a spiritual creature that holds the office of messenger, And in fulfilling this office, they serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation, uh, as we just talked about from Hebrews. So after death, then, we don't become angels, because this would be to become a totally different type of creature. Rather, we remain human, and as humans, we bear the image of God. Why is there greater comfort in the resurrection than in becoming an angel? So human beings are not spiritual creatures by nature, as we just said, but this is how angels are. Contrary to angels, we're physical beings. We bear the image of God. So although we may be away from the body and at home with the Lord in heaven, as Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 5, this is really only a temporary state for us as Christians. So we look forward to being further clothed in the resurrection to continue using Paul's language there. In this further clothed state, we are reunited with our bodies, which are perfected and glorified. And this is really to be as God created us to be, bearing his image and living with him in eternity. This is far better, of course, than being transformed into some spiritual being that doesn't bear the image of God. It's a greater comfort because it's exactly what God wants for us. We're talking about myths regarding eternal life with Pastor Roger Peters, assistant to the director 
of Library and Information Services at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Find out more about studying for the vocations of pastor or deaconess at ctsfw.edu or by calling 1-800-481-2155, forming servants in Jesus Christ to teach the faithful, reach the lost, and care for all, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Up next, we'll take up the myth that eternal life is doing what you love the most for all eternity with Pastor Roger Peters. Then, we will be discussing your unanswered Bible questions with Pastor Brian Ketchelmeyer and Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. The Faith, Once for All, Delivered to the Saints. You're listening to Issues Etc. Logia Journal, the Confessional Dogmatic Series. The works of Kurt Marquardt and many other resources are all brought to you by Luther Academy. Did you know that during this time of COVID-19, your purchases and donations help Luther Academy supply these same resources to pastors around the world? Please consider helping us with this important need through your prayers and financial support. Learn how you can help by visiting lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Wildwood, Missouri is a proud sponsor of Issues Etc. And if you enjoy the relevant, Christ-centered teachings presented on this program, then you should come and join us at St. Paul's on Sundays at 9 a.m., where you will hear sermons that proclaim Jesus Christ and Him crucified for our sins and enjoy in-depth Bible studies to help us grow as disciples. For more information, check us out at stpaullutheranwildwood.org. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of His family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I say yes to God in His ways. We're discussing myths about eternal life with Pastor Roger Peters. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Roger, what about the idea that eternal life is doing what you love most here, but for all eternity? So this is another really common misconception. And this idea of heaven sounds like a lot of fun, you know, where we get to enjoy our favorite hobbies for eternity, never growing tired of them. Some people perhaps imagine playing golf for eternity. Maybe they think they'll get to sink a hole in one on every single hole or something like that. Uh, Maybe other people think about eating all their favorite foods all the time without having to worry about the calories. Uh, And that does sound like a lot of fun for us while we're here on earth. But when we think about heaven this way, it's, it's really sad that God is conspicuously absent from this picture. Perhaps he's there in some people's minds as this sort of nebulous sense as the one who makes it all possible, but our hobbies then become the focus of eternal life rather than God. 
so this idea represents what is really a self-centered view of eternal life rather than a Christ-centered view of eternal life. So it focuses on personal fulfillment based on what we imagine to be fulfilling in our current sinful state as opposed to what Scripture teaches. So the Bible then, it doesn't give us like a detailed itinerary of what the average day in eternal life will be like, but it's clear in Scripture that the focus of eternal life is Jesus Christ. So if we want to to see a picture of this, we can, of course, turn to Revelation, where we have this, this beautiful image in chapter 7. This is where John sees the vision of this great multitude coming out of the Great Tribulation. They stand before the throne, and they sing praises to the Lamb. And describing these saints, the elder says these, these words to John that are from some of the most beautiful in all of Scripture. He says, Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them in his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes." So the saints in heaven, they receive supreme comfort and joy, and it all centers around the worship of God and the Lamb, that is Jesus. Near the end of Revelation, we also get this picture of the resurrection of God dwelling with his people in the new Jerusalem, in the new heaven and the new earth. And what really makes this resurrection life so wonderful isn't because There's a really great golf course in the new Jerusalem. And it's not because there are all these wonderful activities that we can do. What makes it so wonderful is God's presence. John writes, The throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. So when we think about this, our our hobbies that we enjoy here on earth— Uh, They're really nothing compared to seeing the face of God and being called his own. Many believe that our loved ones either send us help or messages from heaven. Is this supported by Scripture? Yeah, many people uh, might be disappointed to learn that there really is no word from Scripture that indicates that our loved ones are able to send us help or messages or otherwise communicate with us on earth. So our loved ones are, of course, a wonderful blessing to us. They give us help and support while they are with us. We have an even further blessing in their memory after they have gone, but they do not continue to communicate with us after death. That's just, it's just not in Scripture. What is the real relationship with our loved ones who have died in Christ? So I think Dr. Kleinig's commentary on Hebrews from the Concordia Commentary series provides a really helpful perspective on this question. And so I have to give credit to Dr. Kleinig for, for some of the clarity of thought on this. But Hebrews 12.1 states that, there is, that, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and then it goes on from there, but talking about that cloud of witnesses, Dr. Kleinig makes the case that this statement shows that the saints in heaven testify to the saints on earth through the scriptures. 
So, of course, if you think about Moses and the prophets and the apostles who were all inspired to write the scriptures, they testify of Jesus. But also the saints, in addition to you know, those who were, who were privileged to write the, the scriptures for us, all the saints are like spectators in a stadium. And they watch and they encourage Christians as they run the race of faith. So if you imagine a stadium, the spectators aren't able to, to help those who are competing. They are not able to send gifts or messages, but rather they cheer on those athletes who are running the race. Uh, now, in this case, the witnesses are hidden from sight by this cloud. You know, it is a cloud of witnesses, so we can't see them or hear them, but they are there cheering for us to finish that race as ones who hold to the faith of Jesus Christ. What do these misconceptions, how do they offer a false comfort? I think these misconceptions, they give us a false comfort and a false hope often by encouraging us to look not to Jesus, but rather to look at ourselves. So, for example, uh, that misconception about heaven being all about enjoying our favorite hobbies for eternity This puts our hobbies at the center of heaven rather than Christ. It puts us at the center. When we do this, we actually turn heaven itself into an idol, which can be a difficult concept, but it reduces Jesus to just the means to an end, whereby we we achieve this goal of personal fulfillment based on what we as sinful people imagine to be fulfilling while we are still here in the flesh. But when we learn from Scripture and when we put aside these misconceptions and hear what Scripture has to say about eternal life, here we restore Jesus to his proper place and see that he is the center of eternal life and not us. And this is true hope and true comfort as opposed to something false that we would come up with on our own. Pastor Roger Peters is assistant to the Director of Library and Information Services at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. He's author of a column for the latest issue of the Lutheran Witness magazine titled Eternal Misconceptions. You can receive an annual digital and print subscription to the Lutheran Witness for less than $20. Find out more at cph.org witness or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. Interpreting the world from a Lutheran perspective, the Lutheran Witness magazine. Roger, thanks. Yeah, thank you. On the other side, we will be taking your unanswered Bible questions, among them in Acts 8, 14 through 17. How does the Holy Spirit come apart from the water of baptism? More questions and their answers with Pastor Brian Ketchelmeyer and Pastor Brian Wolfmiller next. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible is the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November. This new resource will help you navigate God's Word with clarity and confidence. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number 1-800-325-3040 or browse before you buy at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible. 
The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod cares deeply for those who protect our nation. Are you or a loved one currently serving? Ministry to the Armed Forces would like to help. We provide devotional literature to encourage faith. Send your mailing address to lcmschaps at lcms.org or call us at 314-996-1337. Those in uniform are comforted with Psalm 28. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and He helps me. Solid, serious, substantive. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memoria Press is a family-run publisher of classical Christian education materials for homeschools and private schools. Every page of the Memoria Press curriculum leads students to a mastery of content, an understanding of the classical heritage of the Christian West, and an appreciation of truth, goodness, and beauty. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. memoriapress.com. Metro East Lutheran High School in Edwardsville, Illinois, is looking for an English teacher with a master's degree for the 2023-24 school year. Edwardsville is 30 minutes from downtown St. Louis. The position would involve teaching upper-level, dual-credit English classes. For more information, send an email to Principal Jay Krause, J-A-Y-K-R-A-U-S-E, at melhs.org, jkrause at melhs.org. 